Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Zoe. So Zoe and I met through the interwebs of military spouse dumb, which seems to be a reoccurring theme on the podcast. I think it's just because I'm a military spouse. A lot of my guests ends up being military spouses too. It's just, it's just part of life. You know, you end up having a lot of people in your life that are, that have similarities to you. And um, so Zoe is an educator, cat mom, like me, cat moms unite. I love cats um, and proud Air Force spouse. She is the owner of Zoe Hoffman Tutoring, a company that provides personalized online tutoring for students in kindergarten through sixth grade. And I just have to say, Zoe, just like I say to teachers, I give you full props because I don't think I can handle that. I have little humans at home. Well, not at home right now, but I have little humans that live in my house and it's, it's a lot just for them. Uh, she is passionate about getting kids the education they need and deserve through tutoring that is tailored to their specific needs, preferences, and learning style, which is very important because as we all know, we all have different learning styles. And I think that school is tailored more to one specific type of learning style versus a variety of learning styles. Um, when working with students, she is not only focused on their academic gaps, but also their mindset, goal setting, and coping skills in order to help them succeed in the classroom and in life. I love that. So Zoe, give us a little background on what brought you to being a tutor. I always find it very fascinating to hear like, you know, teachers, tutors, anybody that works with little humans, what, what made them go crazy enough to do that? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure started much before I was actually paying attention. Um, so I started working with kids when I was a teenager. Uh, I became a nanny, um, which is was really interesting when I was, um, I think, like 16 or 17. And um, one of the older kids in the family was having trouble um, with her homework and things like that. And that's when I started to really get into education um, and really learning that not every kid was getting what they needed in the classroom um, and finding alternative ways to help them get that. Um, and then so when it was time to go to college, I made the decision that I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, so I went and got my college education to become a teacher, got certified in the state of Texas. Uh, but of course, life likes to laugh at your plans. <laughs> and um, my husband commissioned with the Air Force. So that meant that we would be moving out of Texas. Um, and the first place that we moved was Florida. And I um, kind of had a short stint in the classroom before that and wasn't totally in love with how that might mesh with the military lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, Two crazy schedules, sometimes that's just a lot for everyone. Um, so I knew that we would be moving a lot for the first few years. Um, like you may know, Megan, a lot of military members, when they first get in, it's like boom, 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 boom. You're going to all these trainings and like one-year assignments and all that different stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of wanting to still stay in education, but then be able to move whenever my husband moved kind of meant that I couldn't be in the classroom. So I started to brainstorm ideas 
and it came to me pretty quickly, probably from those early experiences, like helping kids outside of the classroom, um, that there was still a really big need for kids who, you know, need that one-on-one -on -one instruction with somebody who really gets them um, and is spending their time making sure that there's something planned for them that's just for them. Um, so when we were in Pensacola, Florida, that's what I started doing. Um, and I started out just in person, um, meeting kids at libraries and things like that. And then when it was time for us to move, um, I taught myself how to do online tutoring, which was pretty new at the time. Um, and that allowed me to keep those relationships from Florida as I moved, because um, that was really important to me and to my students. And then um, that's kind of allowed me to move wherever we are called to go um, while still teaching and having a long-term relationship with students. Um, and online tutoring is just proof to be really convenient for everyone involved. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it, it's one, one less thing that you have to drive your kid to. Um, and they can kind of be at home, you know, in their pajamas or, or whatever and be getting what they need without having to, like, go to another formal thing. So, yeah, yeah that's how I, I got into to tutoring. Yeah, and it can make really kids really nervous, right? Because they've already spent so much time at school during the week. Like, my kids leave my house at a quarter to nine. They don't get home till a quarter to four every day. That's such a long day. They don't get they don't get recess like that. When I was a kid, we had recess all the time. Like I just remember like when I was little, we would have at least an hour of recess every day. And if it was really nice out, we might get more longer than that, you know? Um, nowadays they don't even get that. It is so sad that they're stuck in this classroom all the time. What do you think as with what you've experienced with tutoring children, what do you think it has, is like the biggest, the, the biggest gap between what's going on in the classroom and, and where the kids are struggling? Like you've seen it from a teacher's perspective, but you're also seeing it as a tutor helping the children. Why is it that so many students, not all students, but so many students are struggling right now. It's it's one of those things where, you know, it kind of dates back to, you know, before we can even remember, right? Like it's schooling has always been regimented. Um, and it's like you either are this type of person or you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and it's getting a lot better where teachers are more open to like different seating arrangements and like letting kids stand or bounce or whatever they need to do in order to get their work done. Um, but, you know, kiddos, there's just so many different learning styles and there's so many different levels of maturity within the same age group. Um, so for to expect every child to go on this trajectory for the year that's just, you know, point A to point B isn't really realistic. Mm -hmm. um, we have to do it obviously because in classrooms and things like that, we just, we have to have some type of structure. Um, but you know, with the way that classrooms are set up, it's like one teacher and 25 to 30 kids. Yeah. Um, the best teacher still can't, you know, give that one-on-one -on -one attention when, and a lot of kids aren't, are afraid to raise their hand and, and say like, I don't get this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that contributes a lot to why a lot of kiddos are struggling now. Um, kind of that transition to um, like new technologies and new ideas um, to where 
a lot of kids are learning and experiencing things their parents haven't did never learn or experience. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that be like online learning or like using the iPads, um, and the, the good and the distractions that can come with that. (laughs) Yes. Um, and along and, and, you know, like common core and things like that. Um, we just have a lot of things, moving parts that are happening right now. And I think it's really good, but it's also creating a lot of, um, I don't know how to describe stress. it. Stress for parents. Stress. <laughs> it's stress for parents. It's stress for kids. Yeah. It's stress for teachers. Um, and, you know, even in, and it's kind of like in your personal life, when you're growing, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that the same thing is going on in education right now. Yeah, I completely understand because sometimes um, mine are 15, well, almost 15, she'll be 15 by the time this podcast episode airs. So she's 15 to all of you guys, (laughs) 15, (laughs) eight, six, and six. And I will see that there are moments where I struggle and mind you, I'm, I'm college educated. I'm going to college right now. Like I am an intelligent person. I, I get it, but the learning, like you said, the teaching styles have changed like how they teach kids to technology. I am not tech savvy, guys. I'm just going to be honest here. I'm just not. I ask my husband and my teenage daughter how to do things. Like I don't, I'm not up to it. So a lot of times uh, he's the one that I rely on. Like, can you explain this to the kids? And I don't know how to explain it to them. You know, they are relying a lot on technology nowadays, uh, which is a good and bad thing. It's, it's both ways. But it is becoming such a struggle because I remember when I was a little kid, my parents could help me because I was being taught the same way they were being taught. And yes, things need to change and learn and grow, but it's hard as parents to be able to help children because we don't always get it. I'm like, that's not how I I learned to do that. I can teach you how I learned to do it, but I don't know how to teach you how to do it this way because I have no idea what they're talking about. So do you know, do you have any information on Common Core that you could like enlighten us a little bit? Like why, why did they change it to go? Cause I know so many states nowadays have Common Core. Like why? <laughs> why is it there? So I can't completely speak as an authority on the issue cause I'm still learning about Common Core. Um, and there are, there's still a difference in standards from state to state. So like when I got my, um, degree in Texas, Texas doesn't use common core. They use something they call the teaks, which is basically common core, but just Texas. Um, so oh, I think some of the motivation behind it was just to like standardize across the board, um, what we're teaching kids. So for me and you, Megan, it, could be a good thing because our children, which I don't have children, disclaimer, I do not have kids. Um, (laughs) Our kids as military kids could be getting the same education no matter where they moved. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least the same standards would be being covered. Um, So that's like the pro. And then also I'm sure that they started to develop these standards because of new research in education. Um, and just knowing more about what we should be teaching kids and when we should be teaching it to kids. Um, and then I'm sure another piece of it is um, trying to catch up to other countries, mm-hmm. um, especially in like math education. Um, so all of those things, I mean, I'm sure that someone who really wanted to know could go and read about all, 
all the different reasons that they started to um, develop the standards. Um, but it's one of those things where it's not going to be perfect when you roll it out. Yeah. And um, it's like, I'm sure an ongoing thing where we're continuing to try to improve the way that we're doing it. Cause it's not going to be perfect when you first do it. So true. I like how you pointed out earlier um, how children are so diverse. Like I was just talking to my husband about this the other day, cause think about it. So depending on what state you are in depends on when the cutoff date is for a child. So your child could either be really, really young compared to the other students in their class or be one of the older students in your class. Well, that's, a, that's even in six-year-olds, it's a wide range of maturity, but also learning style speak, um, you know, intelligence, and not, not saying that some students are students, stupid and some students aren't stupid, but um, like, for example, my son is very gifted. Um, and I say that because he tested very gifted. He had like high scores all across the board. Um, he's a little sponge. But he struggles in class, not because he doesn't know it, because he gets bored. And that's learning style, of course. Then, of course, you have kids in his class who are struggling to learn the same thing. So like you said, the teacher's trying to teach and, and finding a middle ground to teach all 25 students where you might have these outliers who are struggling or getting bored with what they're learning because they're learning so quickly and they're not being... Um, they're not being challenged enough. So it's really difficult for teachers to be able to speak to all students um, and they have to find this just common ground. And that's why I think what you're doing is so beautiful because that could help those, those students that are the outliers that are struggling in one way or another because their, their teacher cannot develop a plan specifically for them. So it's not, it's not so much our teachers are at fault, which I think a lot of times parents point fingers at teachers like, the teacher is not doing their job. The teachers many times are doing exactly what they have to do, but they can't speak to all students. And um, I have I have a friend who's a teacher, and she was talking about how a lot of schools even struggle to have enough extra help to help with the outlier students, right? The students that aren't. When I say outliers, I don't. I just mean like they're not like in the the middle. Like you have the the bell curve, right? Right. <laughs> the average is in the middle. <laughs> it's the outliers of the bell bell curve. They don't always have schools. Don't always even have the extra help to help with these students. Um, so what have you seen has been the the biggest struggle for students? Like, what is is there a common struggle that um, your the students you're uh, tutoring have is what is that if there is one? <laughs> So since I, I, I tutor all subjects, um, the subjects that usually end up coming up that I tutor are reading and math because those are just the two big subjects. Mm -hmm. um, but so something that I see that transcends um, all subjects for all kids who are struggling and even kids who aren't struggling um, is like mindset. Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids are struggling with mindset and therefore it contributes to their struggles in the classroom. Um, so they can get into these thought spirals where they kind of, you know, go down and they're like, I'm stupid and I can't do this. And my teacher hates me. Um, we all, we all struggle with those. Oh yeah. Students. You're, you're um, <laughs> in the choir here. I'm like, yes, the spiral I've been there. <laughs> yes. And so, I mean, kids struggle with that too. And they also struggle with fixed mindset. Um, and that kind of goes along with that spiral. As kids think of um, 
life as just so black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, to them, they haven't had any experiences really. I mean, it depends on the kid, but it's just like, this is right. This is wrong. Um, this person's mean, this person's nice. Um, and so they can get stuck in, I'm smart or I'm dumb. Mm. And that's not really helpful uh, because if they're thinking they're dumb, then obviously that's not good. Um, they think that nothing they can do can improve that. Um, if they think they're smart, same thing. No, they think nothing they can do can improve that, but maybe if they fail, that that will, you know, knock them off of that pedestal. Um, so a lot of the work with I do with kids that kind of helps across the board fix these issues is just a lot of mindset work, um, a lot of praising effort, um, making actionable goals, um, doing things like telling them you have control over this situation because the effort that you put in is going to yield something. Um, working on how to think about failure. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go into that growth mindset piece uh, that we just sometimes I think we forget kids don't have that because we're adults and it's been so long since we've been there. It's funny you say that because in psychology, uh, and as most people listening know that I'm going to school for psychology right now, I only have one psychology class, but next or fall semester, I have child psychology, which is going to be very fascinating. That was my favorite. Yeah. I mean, for me as a mom, um, I'm not sure if I want to work with children when I get done with my degree, but me as a mom, I'm, I find it fascinating to learn about kids because I'm like, Oh, this is really teaching me how to be a better parent. Cause I can understand the psychology behind being a child. And they talk about how up until the age of 13, we have what is called LOL learning. And it's kind of what you described, right? It is not, it is more of like a black and white, this or that kind of learning, like um, where the HOL learning um, that we have as adults is more vast, right? They ask you a question and you might get 20 different answers from somebody unless of course it's two plus two. Um, But if it's just a more open-ended question, you're more likely to get 20 different answers because adults have a higher order of thinking. We think more vast versus like our little bubble. Children are more like, this is my bubble. I'm in home. I'm in school. This is my family. This is what's going on versus in their heads. They know there's a bigger world, but to them, this is their world. This is, this is how things go. And, and it can go both ways, right? If, if a child's being brought up in a um, very neglectful, abusive home, it, it might be more, um, it might look more dark, right? They're, what they're thinking versus if they're brought up in a more nurturing, loving environment, they're, they might be skewed more of the rose colored glasses, sort of, <laughs> you know, mindset when it, when it comes to that. And I want, I want to, cause we might have some parents or future parents listening, um, that are wondering like, what can we as parents do to help improve our children's learning environment to help them with what you're talking about, that growth mindset, like, so that they don't get into that space where they're thinking I'm, or like my son said, I'm not a good rememberer. I'm like, don't, don't say that. Don't put yourself in that box. And then like five minutes later, he remembered something. And I'm like, look, you are a good rememberer. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you're fine. Um, What can we as parents do to help our children uh, with that growth mindset? So I think it's just helping them. It's kind of help them do the things that you're already trying to do for yourself. 
So we are always trying to improve ourselves. Um, and so helping them go on that journey as well will help them be better learners. Um, so some things that you could do is like when your kid makes a mistake, use that as a learning opportunity for them to tell them, I, I make mistakes, you make mistakes, we learn from our mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even ask them, like, what did you learn from that mistake? Uh, and there's even brain research that says that when we make mistakes, our brain actually grows more than when we get an answer right. So just bringing those things up and making them not feel ashamed when those things happen. Um, and then goal setting is another big one. Uh, that's something that we do a lot as adults, but sometimes I think we forget to do them with kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so helping your child set, you know, an actionable goal that they can lay out, you know, these are the things that I'm going to do in order to reach my goal. It, whether it's like for sports or for school or whatever, just having that practice and setting goals and then, you know, working towards it and achieving it and knowing that somebody has your back as you do that can really help kids build those skills that are going to help them, you know, starting in first grade all the way through when they go to college. Yeah, I, uh, I see when you're talking about first grade through college just popped in my head is I've been thinking for years that kids are learning way more now at an earlier age than they did when I was a kid. When I was a kid and I was in kindergarten, I remember we did a lot of coloring. We made, we've had like <laughs> fun reading times. Like nowadays kids are like learning, learning. I'm not saying that wasn't learning because kids absolutely have to learn their alphabet and their colors and stuff like that. But even somebody I was talking to said preschoolers are now learning what kindergarten slash first graders were in the nineties and eighties, you know, like before that, um, that it seems like there's a lot of pressure on our, our kids to learn so much. And then there's, there's, there's standardized tests that they're taking. Like my third grade, or yeah, she's in third grade. I'm trying to think. Um, I have so many of them. My third grader, right? <laughs> you know, she is going to be taking the, what in Virginia, it's the SOL test this year. And my third grade is so early for them to be taking these tests. Like, do you think that this pressures the pressure I'm talking about is contributing to where children might be struggling now because I don't, I can't, I can't imagine being a third grader and being told that I have to take these, these big tests, like they're big tests, you know, um, to me, they're big tests. <laughs> I, um, I definitely think pressure is a big part of what we see going on right now with kids. Um, there's just, there's a lot of pressure to perform. And I think it's kind of the same throughout our society right now, I think as an adult, we feel a lot of pressure to perform. Um, and so, yeah, kids are being expected to um, make certain grades on these assessments when maybe they're not ready to. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of the classroom instruction has to be geared towards that. And the teachers don't have any choice, really. It's, it's not them. Um, it's legislation. It's, it's all the things that have been put into place to make those tests happen. Um, and that's a lot of stress for a little person yeah. and a, a lot of stock put into, to a grade. Um, when some schools now, I mean, cause grades aren't super helpful for young children. Um, and so some schools are moving past giving letter grades in elementary school anyways, but then we're still giving kids these tests that they're graded on. And then, 
um, can have some type of effect on their education. I know that when I was in school, um, I was, I feel like the front end of when that standardized testing started happening. Mm -hmm. So when I was in the third grade, they gave us standardized tests. And I just remember being so freaked out. Like it was a hard year because everyone was feeling pressure for us to perform on that test. And kids are sensitive to that. Yeah. Like you may not, you may think that, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not pressuring them. I'm not saying anything directly about it, but they can tell, like, if you're stressed about it, they're going to be stressed about it. Yeah. I didn't experience it until I was in middle school, like middle school, high school was like the first time I ever had to take a standardized test. And I lived in both Florida and New York when I was growing up. Um, I lived in New York, moved to Florida, moved back to New York. Um, My parents divorced when I was 13. So I didn't experience in either one of those states that until I was in middle school. And so Florida has different, I think it's FCAT and um, New York, it's regions, like they have different kinds, but it it is not until you're in like middle school, high school that you're experiencing that. And as a third grader, I just can't imagine. And like you said, the teachers now are having this, all this pressure to perform for these tests. Cause right. If you don't get enough or a good enough grade, your students aren't like year after year, you're going to lose your job. Like, so they're getting this pressure to have the students perform on the test and, and they're not even having the time to actually teach what they want or need to teach because they're having to teach to the test versus teaching to all the other things that are going on. And there's, and there's so, it's so much like, I just, I look at my little people and I'm like, this should not be like your biggest concern right now. <laughs> like at eight years old, your biggest concern should be like, what dress do I want to wear tomorrow? <laughs> right. Or like, what kind of slime do I want to make tonight? Yeah. Yeah. I totally. And I remember in third grade, I couldn't even bubble. Like I got in trouble because I couldn't like bubble the test right. Oh, okay. Because I mean, even like, I mean, you're a child. Yeah. Come on, people. <laughs> I, I feel like we've lost that, right? That we've lost this whole, like, our kids are kids and they should be kids. Yeah, they should be learning and growing and everything like that. But that there's so much pressure on them. And when does it end? You know, because you have all this pressure when you're little um, in elementary school. Now you're having to take all these tests and it, it follows you all the way up through college because you're constantly having to take tests and constantly having to to make certain grades and stuff like that. And I'm just like, can't my little people just be little tiny people? Like they have homework in like kindergarten and first grade now. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. It's so ridiculous. I remember, I think they even had preschool homework. I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they did to where I'm like, are they seriously bringing them homework right now? Like they're tiny humans. Like why do they have homework? There there's, but I mean, it's not the teachers. It's they have certain standards that they have to reach and they have to have the kids up to those certain standards and, and the kids are expected to go there. And, and yes, I've been told by, you know, experts I've talked to that our kids are capable of doing that. And I'm like, just cause they are capable does not mean they should do that. Um, so what are some of the, the ways that you, that you see help children to be able to study and learn, um, outside of the classroom? Like what are some things at home that could help them be able to improve, especially like with these, 
you know, tests that they might have to be taking or anything like that. I know, I know for me as a student, I love flashcards and I recently introduced my eight-year-old to flashcards. I'm like, listen, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Let me show you. What, what are some of the things that you've seen that have helped students? So a lot of that, so like homework time and things like that, you just have to have realistic expectations. So kids can only focus for plus or minus one minute of their age. So if they're five, they can probably focus for about five minutes. Um, so really being aware of that and helping them take a break when it's appropriate is going to help a lot. Um, I think sometimes kids try to focus for too long and then it's just like it becomes like a big, a big blow up because their brain is tired. Um, and during those breaks, I always encourage my students to like move around, um, stretch, do things like that where they're kind of getting their blood pumping. They're not looking at a screen, something like mm -hmm. that, um, so that they can get back and refocus. Um, another thing for homework is I always tell um, families that it's good to have like a homework basket that has just like all the stuff that you could ever need for homework. So there's less distractions of like, I need a pencil, I need glue, I need scissors, where's the eraser, that kind of stuff. Um, and then really with studying, once they start to get older, um, it's one of those things where you have to just do trial and error. So that's, you know, where you're introducing the flashcards. And then if your kid's like, this is not, not for me then you're introducing something else, maybe writing questions out for yourself and then going back and answering them or writing a summary on a post-it note, something like that. Um, because we're all different and, and our kids aren't going to maybe study the way that we will. Um, I am a flashcard studier. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but a lot of my students aren't and they just say, I hate the flashcards. So I don't want to do them. And so we say, okay, well, what can we try next? I think that's, that's, I mean, you just kind of have to go with the flow on what works best for each kid because they're all different. Yeah. My husband is one of those people who can literally like his way of studying is reading, like reading a textbook or a pamphlet, or I don't know what the hell they read in the Navy, like whatever, <laughs> wherever they get their information from that he has to study for tests from. He is one of those people he could like, you can give him the paper with like the questions and answers and he can study it. And that's how it works for him. I cannot, I, I'm not a textbook person. I will read my textbook because I know it helps me. I, I learn multiple ways. Like I'm good in classrooms. Like I can't take online courses because I don't learn well in online courses. I need to be in the experience, right? I need to be listening and seeing, but also writing and doing it all at once. Um, but when studying at home, those flashcards really help. I can't just review the information. Like um, my U.S. history professor, he's lovely, um, but <laughs> he, has not been, he has not been showing up to class and just hasn't been teaching. It's been fantastic. And he's like, well, just read the, you could just read the chapters. And I'm like, I could read this chapter five times. That's not going to help me learn. Like, yes, I'm going to retain some of the information, but that's right. not how I learn best. But worse, somebody like my husband who could literally read the chapter and retain most of the information that works for him. So I love how you pointed out that we need to discover what works best for our kids. And with my daughter, it was she, my husband was trying to get her to learn by reading the paper and she was just like not getting it at all. And I was like, how about we try flashcards? Cause that works for mommy. Maybe it'll work for you. Um, and you know, 
each kid, I have four of them. Every single one of them is different. Like they're, they're different learners where their strengths are. It's, it's different. Like I said, my son is just like a sponge. He just soaks up everything, but his twin sister, she is more of an analytical um, mind. She will perfect things. So she learns something. She's not just going to learn it to learn it. She's going to perfect it. So her writing's very neat and, and, um, beautiful that when she was like in kindergarten her coloring was always trying to get in the line like she's one of those people who learns it to to perfect it versus just learning it to learning it and so I see with each of my kids that their strengths are different in school and how they learn things is much different um, than it is from their sibling I mean I have twins and they both are com I mean they're not identical but they both are completely different humans who learn completely different ways. Um, so I really, like I said, I really love the fact that you pointed out that we need to find what specifically works for each of our students versus just saying, oh, this works for me, so it's going to work for you. But I think that's also where schools um, in general and teaching uh, misses the mark sometimes is because of that, because you have 30 students, you can't teach to each individual student. So it's like this overarching, like this is how we're teaching. And so it's, it's missing the mark with some of the kids because that's not how they learn and that's not how they do things. Um, maybe this is not the environment for them. Maybe like you said, some kids and, and yeah, some schools are working on this. Some school kids need to get up and they need to move around, right? They, um, they are little balls of energy um, and they need to get up and move around and be able to, to, you know, stand up or do whatever. And, and some schools are doing good about like working with kids. So they're able to learn in their own ways. And other schools, it's still like that strict, like you sit, you don't talk, you, you know, close your mouth and you listen to what I'm saying where that doesn't work for every student. Um, so when it comes to doing this online, how do you make that work? Like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of interested and fascinated with how would you tutor somebody online? Like how does that work for your students? Um, so it's really fun. So it's kind of like, so like right now me and you are on a video call. Um, so we'll get on a video call like this and so we can see each other. Um, and then the way that we do tutoring is just a lot like the way that we would do it in person. In person, I have like a whiteboard that I use. It's like a little personal size whiteboard. Um, and the student will bring their homework. Um, I'll bring additional activities and maybe some things for us to play with, um, to, depending on what we're learning. Um, I can do all of that online, um, through screen sharing. So if a student sends me a picture of something they're working on in class or their mom sends me a picture of a test that didn't go so great, I can just pull a picture of that up on my screen and then share that with them and then we can write on it with our mouses. Um, so that's kind of fun for them because they, it's, it's interactive. It's on the computer. It's not pencil and paper. Um, and depending on what kind of school they go to, they're doing a lot of pencil and paper during the school day. So it's just mm -hmm. something different. Um, and then the screen sharing, again, allows us to work with any type of like manipulative or toy or thing that you would use to learn any games that we want to play to reinforce skills and things like that. Um, or just like a whiteboard where we can, you know, draw models because models are like a big thing now. I don't know if you've seen that in your kids' math homework, um, like, you know, pictures of different 
math concepts. Oh, um, yes. Yes. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about models? Yes. And my third grader I have the, the, the twins are still more in like, like the, the counting and different kinds of ways things can come together and grouping things that sort of math concepts in mm-hmm. first grade. but the third grader she and my fit my 15 year old she's like to a point where I'm like wow oh ow I don't remember this stuff like <laughs> that's a lot um she she's like at a whole new level where I'm like oh that's gonna take some thinking because that was the stuff that when I was going through it I'm like I'll never need this again in my entire life <laughs> Until you have kids and then you need it again. <laughs> Thank goodness my <laughs> husband's a nuclear electrician, so he actually understands a lot of those concepts where I have no idea. I'm just like, no, I don't think so. Don't do this to me anymore. The little ones, I can totally handle that. Um, so you're talking about using the internet and, and being able to draw things and manipulate things. Are there certain... Do you have certain um, websites that you recommend or apps that you recommend to parents to help their students learn? Because I know that's one been one thing for me is my eight year old's daughter, my eight year old's father bought her an iPad. My, I'm not excited about this, by the way. For anybody who can't see my face right now, this is not. <laughs> um, my, um, and I don't. I had no intention of buying my kids tablets just to me I just don't think they need it um I'm not trying to diss any parents who are listening who bought their kids iPads I just I have I have quite a few little humans in my house and I don't think they all need one but her dad bought her one and we're trying to think of like what are some apps or stuff that we could actually get her that are fun but educational as well instead of you like burning brain cells playing stupid games that do nothing at all So do you have like apps or websites that you send your students to or you recommend to parents to help them? I do. And um, I actually, on my website, there is a resources tab. Oh, yay. I'll link that Um, up in the show notes. And I like to, I just updated it because I found a really cool new um, website called NCTM Illuminations, which is neat. Um, So if you go onto that resources tab, there's a reading column and a math column. And I kind of list out a few really great websites that are helpful um, that I really enjoy. And I know kids really enjoy. Um, My very all time favorite is Khan Academy. Um, It's a free website that it has. It used to just be math. And I remember even using it when it was brand new for my college math, but now they have like kindergarten math all the way through. I mean, everything. Um, And so their search bar is really, um, easy to use. And so if your child is like, I can't remember how my teacher taught me how to do adding fractions. Um, They can just type in adding fractions and it'll come up with a video that teaches them how to do that. And then it'll also have like a quiz where they can quiz what they learned. Um, And the cool thing about Khan Academy is it's like gamified. So if they make an account and they decide to like go through the content, they can earn like badges and points and fun things for doing math, which I think is pretty cool. So that's my all-time favorite one because I also recommend it for parents um, wanting to learn more about like the, the quote-unquote new math um, yeah. <laughs> because they, the, the videos go through those concepts usually um, in a pretty understandable way. Um, and it's pretty quick. So it's something where if you're wanting to learn kind of about what your child is learning in, in class, I would definitely recommend Khan Academy. Oh, that's um, awesome. 
Yeah, and for the iPad, I know there's this math. There's a couple apps that I'm just like totally blanking on. So I can I can send you um, links or something to put in the show notes. But I, there's one that I really love for math facts. It's like these monsters that eat the letter or the numbers. Oh, it's that's really awesome. cute. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm all I, I know that there's actual science behind the fact that if you allow your children small doses, not large doses, not all day long, but small doses of being able to play games, not even just academic games, but games in general. It does actually help um, with their motor skills. It helps with their um, their ability to solve problems, all sorts of kind of things like that. So there's actual science um, behind video games being good for you, but in short doses. It's just for me as I'm like, why, why does, why does she need it? She doesn't need that. Like, stop. <laughs> like, no, why do, and it's oh, strictly because she asked for it, that he got her it. Like, that's pretty much what it, mommy won't get it for me. So I'll ask my daddy and he'll get it for me. That's pretty much the game we play all the time. And then the twins are like, when can we have one? I'm like, never. <laughs> when you get, I mean, when you get a teenager, like my, my daughter, we got her a cell phone when she got into middle school because she was doing after school activities and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, now you can have, you know, a cell phone and which is practically a tablet nowadays, you know, you can put apps and stuff on that. Um, so I love, yeah, I will link up your resources tab and everything in inspiredwomenpodcast.com. So everybody can check that out if they're interested. Um, but we are getting long time. It goes by really fast, which most people like listening, they're just like, Oh, well maybe it does go by fast when you're like actually talking, it goes by really, really fast. Um, so you've given us a lot of great nuggets about learning and how to inspire our children and how to empower them to do better. If there are anything that we've missed or anything that you'd like to add or anything that you'd just like to leave the inspired women audience with, what would you like them to know? Um, so it's always a journey when your kid is in school and it's going to be different for each kid and each family. So never feel like what you are going through is different or weird. Um, just try to reach out to people who can help you. Um, so I'm always like, I love to chat education. So if people want to call me up and be like, this is going on, <laughs> what do I do? I'm more than happy to field those calls. There's, if you're a military family, there's all kinds of unique education situations that can go on. Um, there's lots of resources out there for you. So it's one of those things where it's just better if you nip it in the bud. Um, if your child is having some issues, um, they're just, the internet is a great place. So we have all kinds of resources out there now. Um, just don't be afraid to bring it out into the open and figure out how to take care of it. Yeah. I love that you said that each child is different. I always try to tell people that I was like, each family situation is different and each child's different. Like every single one of my kids is different. I wish I could tell you that they are all the same. No, no. How, how, how I could you know, punish them is different. Like where one kid just literally, it won't even matter. Go ahead. Take away my, my stuff. I don't care. Like, you know, in other ones, like you, you say you don't get to watch TV, um, tomorrow. They're like, ah, my whole life is end. it's awful. But also I want to give a little plug is you do fun videos. Um, I've seen them on Instagram. Do you do on Facebook too? I do. They go to my Instagram and my Facebook. 
Ah, see, so we're going to link up all of Zoe's um, information in the show notes so that everybody can connect and get some tips and figure out. Cause I'm always seeing you pop up like cool little tips or little videos. And I'm like, this is so fun. Like that. I know that there's a resource that I can go to, like, even if I don't need tutoring that I can go to your website and your pages and I can check it out. So before we finish up, um, what is one sign that we should be aware of uh, it, that our child may need some tutoring? Like that was something I didn't ask you and it just popped in my head. <laughs> um, so a lot of times the sign is going to be, um, they, it, it, again, it's just one of those things. This is the reoccurring theme of the podcast. It's different for every kid. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kids, if their grades are falling and there's, you've, you've tried a few different fixes and it hasn't worked. Um, that may be when you want to reach out to a tutor or at least reach out to your kid's school and see what they, they suggest you do. Um, for some kids, it might be they're struggling and maybe they're able to get, you know, the grade that's acceptable, but they're just starting to feel weird about school. And you're hearing those like, I don't want to go to school. I have a stomach ache. Those types of things can also be a sign that maybe you just need like a little bit of extra help or like another person on the team to help them move past some of the things that they're um, experiencing at that point. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people when I get overwhelmed, I shut down. So even as a student, like if I get overwhelmed, I will shut down versus like being that student that's like, I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to be like, nope, that's a hard no. I don't want to go to school today. Like, I just don't. And I do that as an adult, right? Like, right. I'm just like, I don't want to go to school today. It's too much. <laughs> So, so I thank you so much for one, applying to come on the podcast and two, coming on the podcast and having this very valuable conversation. Because even if some of the, I know not all of the audience has children or plans on having children, maybe they have nieces or nephews or somebody that they care, a child that they care about, that, you know, these tips might help them be able to like say to their sister or brother or somebody and say, Hey, you know, I heard this podcast and these are great tips I heard. Maybe it'll help you. Or for those of us who are parents or those of us who are out there wanting to be parents that we now know, Hey, these are some steps we can take when our kids are in school to help us out. I mean, I know personally that I'm not in a place right now where my kids would need that, but that doesn't mean in the future that I won't. Right. So it's great to have these conversations so that we know how we can help our kids now or in the future. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me on. It was so fun. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the inspired women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family and join us in the inspired women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.